is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 73 for Monday, March 19, 2012. 19, 2012? That yes. Year? That sounded weird. <laughs> for Monday, March the 19th in the year 2012. Oh, I see. Okay, that makes much more sense than the year 19, 2012. It's like, oh, my God. How wouldn't, long have I been asleep? <laughs> I wouldn't want to confuse you, so I'll try to put a comma in there when I okay. say that next time. Uh, happy return of the Swallows Day to you, Jason. The Swallows are returning? They are. March 19th is the annual observance of the Swallows' return to Mission San Juan Capistrano in California. Oh, it's not even here. Just in case, well, no, but I don't think there's a lot of swallows here in this part of the world. What do I know? <clears throat> They're birds, right? There are a number of different kinds of birds, but, and there, there may be swallows. I'm not a birder. I'm not a bird expert. A birdie? <laughs> no, I'm a birdie. I'm just not Bird. a birder. Did you watch Big Year? Uh, nope. You should. It's all about birding. Okay, well, maybe I will. Uh, in case anyone is interested, from Wikipedia, I found that uh, this description of the return of the swallows. Presented by the San Juan Capistrano Fiesta Association. Ooh. First of all, they have a fiesta association. That's great. That's a good name. The Fiesta de las Golondrinas is a, long, a week-long celebration of this auspicious event culminated by the Swallows Day Parade and Mercado Street Fair. Uh, tradition has it that the main flock arrives on March 19, which is St. Joseph's Day, and flies south on St. John's Day, October 23rd. Wow. <clears throat> so there you go. It's fantastic. Happy return of the Swallows Day. Well, thank you. Uh, all right. So we are going to recap Beside the Dying Fire this episode, which, awesome. of course, is the season two finale. Mm -hmm. There's no more Walking Dead for, I don't know, seven or eight months until October. The uh, The root word is Final. Final. Season yep. finale. Yeah. <laughs> Very finally. Good. Exactly. Not, not really finally. I could have had it gone on longer, to be quite honest yeah, with you. Yeah, you know, me too. And next season we get 16, so it is it is going to go on longer. Awesome. <clears throat> we'll see how we feel at the end of that. But there's lots to do before we get to that. And the first thing I want to talk about briefly today is Michonne's appearance in Playboy. Mm-hmm. So you, just, you just wanted to talk about Playboy. Well, you know, I talked about it on Facebook already a little bit, and this is the first Playboy I've bought in, in some time. I've bought four or five of them in my life, but I don't make it a habit. Yeah, me too. Because I, I really, I mean, it's a great magazine, and, you know, it's an, it's an interesting read, and I think the pictures of naked women is just kind of a bonus. Yeah, the only Playboys I've purchased in the last, <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to say 15 years, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe 10 years, are this ep this particular issue the one the most recent with uh, the backstory oh, of Michonne? I just bent my centerfold. You bent your centerfold. Dang it! And I purchased the uh, the Playboy that had uh, Marge Simpson uh, topless. Right. <laughs> she wasn't even topless, was she? Well, she was wearing she kind of a, a, a veil, like a a sheer thing. As far as I remember. Okay. Well, but Marge Simpson was in Playboy, so I had to buy that. You'll have to dig that out. And I was going to bring it actually. Take, take I, another uh, look, but I forgot. <laughs> Well, what we got here is six new Walking Dead pages written by Robert Kirkman, illustrated by uh, Charlie Adler, and it is the very quick and brief origin scene of Michonne. Mm -hmm. This edition of the magazine came out on Friday, which was two days before the season finale, yep. which they kind of tie together oh, in a way. Oh, they sure did. 
So uh, let's just talk real quick about this. Jason, what did you think about this this story? I thought it was very, very interesting. <laughs> Define interesting. I didn't know that the uh, the two walkers that she had chained and uh, showed up at the prison. Uh, Wait, should we spoil it for people? Well, spoil what? What you're about to say? Am I, when you, but am I spoiling the uh, the TV show or am I spoiling the, uh, the comic oh, book? Oh, uh, spoiling the, the comic in Playboy. Well, okay. Then I guess my entire thoughts are it was uh, I thought it was interesting because anything I have to say is going to spoil it. Spoil it. Okay, that's true. I, I don't really want to give it away. I'm just going to say that to me it felt perfunctory. Yeah? It felt brief. It was very brief. It's only, what, four pages? Something six, like Six I pages? Think, yeah. I mean, uh, that's the only the only thing I thought uh, I, my complaint about it was I wish it was a whole issue or two. Well, exactly. The, you, you, her, her origin story could easily be an entire six-issue arc. Obviously. Yeah, there's no, there's no dialogue. Uh, it's all just a uh, you know, description of what's going on, you know, a letter or speaking to, uh, uh, you know, her model. What do you call that? Her voiceover. Her, it's like a voiceover. It's her conscious yeah. conscience or her her brain talking to her. <laughs> There's very little dialogue. There's a little bit of dialogue, but not much. Yeah, you know, and I don't really know what I expected. I got a little excited when when I heard about this because I only heard about it on Thursday and it was coming out the next day. So I was sort of excited to get it. I didn't really. I don't really know what I was expecting to get out of this though, because obviously it's not going to be a whole issue. It's not going to be the entire you know Playboy magazine, right? And it's just a brief little snippet of what happens to. Michonne, basically from the day of the zombie outbreak until she walks away with two zombies chained to her. You think uh, Robert Kirkman just did this uh, purely to get invited to the parties? Uh, I don't blame him if he did. (laughs) Uh, I think he probably just did this purely because, you know, he knows this character was about to be introduced in the TV show. And why not throw something special out there for the fans and introduce it to possibly some new people, like all at once. Yep. You know, maybe if a regular Playboy reader got his issue this month, read through this quick comic because it's really fast, and was like, "Hey, zombies! Um, you know, uh, armless zombies, jawless zombies. That sounds pretty cool. I like this. This is good. This is good. This is good. You flip the page, nudie. There's a nu- there's a nude right there. <laughs> nudie. <laughs> well, the next page right after is, uh, uh, is the beginning of the uh, the the Playboy Bunny of the Month or whatever yeah, you call it. I think the word you're looking for is nudity. Nudity. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, um, it was okay. It didn't blow me away. It's kind of a neat little story, though, and the revelation in it is kind of fun. Yeah. I, I will definitely admit that. So um, if you're interested, go check out uh, the most recent issue of the Playboy magazine. It's the uh, It's the sex and music issue, in case you're interested in that, too. Yeah, sex and music, that's okay. Yeah, that's all right, I suppose. All right, let's get right into the season finale. Beside the Dying Fire. Beside the Dying Fire. And we we talked in a previous episode about the, the, the way you could say this title and kind of what it meant. Yep. And I think we were, both meetings were kind of right. Yeah. Beside the Dying it's Fire. Double entendre. Or Beside the Dying Fire. Right. But we'll find out why as we recap it. So in our cold open this week... It starts with Empty Atlanta, mm-hmm. a scene we've shot, uh, we've seen a number of times, and we quickly get some shots of zombies eating a dog, Yep, which was kind of gross. gross. I didn't realize it was a dog on the first watch through. Um, and all of a sudden, a helicopter flies overhead. It sure is. I went back to take a look at the helicopter scene from the season one episode, the pilot. Yep. And... 
I was reminded that you don't actually see the helicopter in that scene. No, you get a reflection of it. You hear it and you get a reflection in a glass building. Yeah. In this episode, we see the helicopter yep. for reals. And for truly. And yeah, that's right. And so we now know that Rick wasn't imagining it. It wasn't some kind of hallucination. There is actually a helicopter flying around Atlanta. Yes, there is. Was. That's right. <clears throat> so the interesting thing here is what we get in the cold open is basically the formation of the zombie herd that attacks Herschel's farm. We get the herd backstory. <laughs> That's right. We get the herd backstory. So I don't think uh, I don't think the helicopters uh, flying around uh, Atlanta right now in mm-hmm. story time. I think it's flying around Atlanta back when Rick was in in, in Atlanta. Yep. And that's when the herd started to, started to form and they're just kind of showing the backstory from that point forward. Exactly. I, f- I completely agree with you that the helicopter's probably not operating anymore right. because you require fuel and such things. If it is, you know, maybe it might be, but that's a whole other thing. It's a whole other thing. So, it's interesting to to sort of trace this herd all the way back to the very early days, the first day when Rick rode that horse into the city. Yep. And I also thought it was kind of interesting that the zombies were attracted to a helicopter noise. That's true. It's not a living thing noise, but I guess they're attracted to any noise because they are attracted to gunshots. They're not really that smart, you know. No, I guess any old noise will do. Yeah. So they all start following it. Um, More and more gathering, big crowd of zombies. Eventually they get to a fence with a sign that says, trespass, it's your ass. <laughs> it's a good fence. I might get mm. one of those for my uh, backyard. Sure. Um, they start piling up against the fence, and when enough get there, and I guess there's enough forward pressure, the fence breaks, and they just keep going. It breaks in parts, and then uh, did you see the, the a couple of shots where they looked like they were filing through? Like they turned, and they were working or walking towards oh. the opening so that they could file through? They may not be that smart, but they know how to get through a broken fence. Well, you know, obviously, uh, a lot of these zombies have all gone to concerts and uh, parades and things, <laughs> and they know how to get through an opening in a fence. Exactly. They, you, there's one entrance and one exit, and you have to make sure you go the right, right way. But climbing over a fence, not, not a lot of people have that kind of experience. No. Especially if they're from the city, because if they came from Atlanta, they're city folk, and city folk don't climb a lot of fences. You see a fence, you stop. You know, I tried to climb a fence on the weekend, actually. Did it work? Well, it, a low fence. I jumped over it. Okay. And How low? Like, a, you know, six inches? Uh, <laughs> Something no, like that? That probably would have been less of a problem. This is probably not really a, a fence. Probably a, I don't know. How tall am I? Probably It's probably a four-foot fence. Did you just kind of fall over it and then put your legs over? I, I, I grabbed it and then swung my legs over it. So I did one of those jumps. And it didn't hurt yourself at all? Oh, I hurt myself. Okay. <laughs> That's what I'm getting to. Uh, not seriously, but I, I, you know, I got bad ankles, and one of my knees has been bothering me, and I yep. kind of uh, tweaked the knee a little bit. So no groin injury or anything like that. Uh, no, 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 nothing hilarious. <laughs> nothing hilarious happened. Groin injuries are not hilarious. They're serious, <laughs> painful events. Unless they happen to Homer Simpson, <laughs> but nothing like that. Anyways, I jumped over the fence and it didn't go so well so i might not be doing that again were you fleeing a uh, herd of zombies what nope. were you doing going to get a ball oh okay <laughs> that was that was hit over the you fence. were playing fetch yes i'm good at that <laughs> or someone it's, was playing fetch with you it's okay anyhow <laughs> so as we we get through this fence we end up on the night where rick kills shane from the previous episode we hear the gunshot and the zombies all turn towards it and start heading that direction so that's where they come from they don't just show up they're not just milling about all of a sudden hearing the gunshot they're actually walking by 
They are. I still have problems with the sudden appearance of all those zombies at that moment. Um, you know, they wouldn't have been, say, you know, 10 kilometers away and then all of a sudden right there. They were there. They just heard that shot and then sort of came at them. Yeah. Well, they weren't walking towards the farm either. They were kind of going by it. Going by it. And yeah. if, they, you know, if they hadn't heard that shot, they would have missed the farm entirely. So really some bad luck there on our yeah, on our survivors' part. A little part. bit of bad luck. That's the cold open this week. We go to the credits, and when we come back, we are inside the farm. Daryl and Glenn show up, and they realize that Rick and Shane never came back. That's right. They never made it back. Lori asks them to go back out there and find them. Before that, though, they also tell the group what they found out about Shane yep. and Randall. He ain't no tracker, so he was with them. He was with them, and he turned because they found zombie Randall, and he uh, he was never bitten. Mm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Rick and Carl are slowly walking back towards uh, the farm after talking about what happened. Carl wants to know if Rick was bit too, because right. he assumes that Shane was bit. Yeah. But before Rick can answer his questions... They notice a larger problem, and that is, of course, a giant herd of zombies coming at them. Saved by the herd. Yeah, you could say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rick was saved from, from that conversation yeah, by right. the herd. Save, uh, didn't have to answer because of the herd. Probably would prefer to answer the question. I don't know. It's a pretty tough question. So everybody at the farm notices the herd coming as well, and this is kind of when shit starts to happen. Yep. And, uh, you know, I don't even know how to really recap the next sort of 15 minutes of, of this episode because a lot of stuff is going down. Yep. Here, here's what I've got. And okay. You, and you stop me if there's if there's anything we need to talk about because there probably is. Rick and Carl head for the barn. Yep. Just as they get in, zombies start amassing at the door. Of course. Uh, lucky that um, that barn door was open and not locked. Well, why would it be locked? All the zombies are gone. Exactly. I'm just saying. Yeah. Lucky it was opened before. Uh, Lori notices in the farm that Carl is gone because she doesn't know that he took off. She's a wonderful mother. She is, but at least she noticed this time. That's true. She did uh, notice of her own free will and nobody <laughs> told her that Carl was gone. That's right. She went up to get him because like, we got to get out of here and right. he's not there. So they start searching her and Carol and the, the women in the farm. The Everyone else makes a quick plan uh, to kill as many as they can and use the cars to lead the rest of them off the farm. Right. That's the plan. Uh, we go back to Rick and Carl. Uh, they're dumping gasoline on the floor of the barn. Carl climbs into the hayloft, and Rick opens the door and then quickly climbs up so Carl can drop a lighter down and light everybody on fire. That's right. It was a pretty good plan. Well, you, well I don't know. You, you, you know, there was no plan to get out of the barn. There was only a plan to light the barn on fire. So uh, was it a good plan? I'm not really sure. I don't know. I, I mean, what else are you going to do? Stay up in the loft. How are they going to get up in the loft? Uh, yeah, but I think he wanted to eliminate the zombies. I, I agree yeah, they can't get up. You stay up in the loft and you wait for rescue. That said, if a, if a zombie can climb stairs up to, into an RV, yep. um, you know, do, they can file through a fence properly. Yep. In theory, they could climb a ladder. Do you think that the uh, zombies that were in the barn previously could have climbed that ladder before? Because that ladder was on the <clears throat> inside of the barn, mm -hmm. going up to the loft where they were using to you know, enter and exit the barn for feeding them. I, I don't see why not. It so, didn't happen that we know of, but I don't see why not. So, well, two things. If they didn't climb the ladder before, they probably wouldn't climb the ladder now. Two, that ladder looked like it was secured at the top and not all the way up. Mm -hmm. They could have kicked it loose. Yep. And they would have been uh, sitting pretty. Well, sitting pretty I, is, you know, relative. They, yes, they but lighting have... the barn on fire and then going up in the loft to wait for rescue? 
<laughs> I don't know. I don't think it's as crazy as, as you to light it I think on it's fire. ludicrous. I mean, they wanted to eliminate these zombies. They didn't want to just sit there and wait. Like, the, the zombies aren't going away. So you either do something or sit there and starve to death. Or, or something like that. Yeah, I would. I would not have. At least I would not have uh, lit the barn on fire right away. Okay. I would have gone up there, assessed the situation, knocked on the ladder, go, "Oh crap! Okay, rescue's not coming," uh, and uh, you know these zombies are all around, and they're going to knock the barn down because they're a herd. Now light them on fire. The other thing is, one of Rick's goals was to cause a diversion and take get some of the zombies away from the house because he can't light the house on fire. Barn, you can light on fire. You can light the house on fire. If you can light a barn on fire, you can light the house on fire. Right. But it's less desirable to light the house you live in on fire. The barn they can live without. That's true. Right? If if for some reason they were able to get through this and stay there. The only worse idea than this, in my mind, is lighting the barn on fire and then going into the cellar. <laughs> and going underground. And going underground. Well, it, it burns on top of That's you. That's right. I, I Okay. I, I can see that would be worse, but I think... Get some zombies in. They could have waited for more to come in, you know, so they eliminate as many as possible. They could have waited until they had, uh, he knew that rescue was coming. Get as many in the barn as possible, mm-hmm. and they would keep piling in, right? So they would keep coming in. You wave at them, and you, you yell and scream, and you bang on the wood, and they all come into the barn, and that way you have a whole bunch in the barn trapped. Wait for rescue. Wait a minute. And then when you're ready to get rescued, you light the lo- zombies on fire. If I am not mistaken, there is exterior access to the second level of that barn because didn't glenn when he was going up to have sex with maggie yeah the door was locked right so he had to get in to the second level from outside the barn that's true so light the barn on fire run down the back staircase and you're good okay so but they didn't clear that first they lit the barn on fire before they knew that that was blocked yeah well i just think that lighting the barn on fire was you know granted an okay idea just a little premature assess the whole situation before you light your you know what's underneath you on fire all right fair enough they were probably also panicking a little bit yeah probably because it was a little scary middle of night uh while they are lighting the barn on fire everyone else is driving around the farm shooting walkers Hanging out of car windows. Yeah. It was <laughs> awesome. It, it was awesome. I especially loved the uh, the Glenn cam with him out the car, just hanging out and shooting everything in sight. Yeah. It was, it was amazing. It was really, awesome. Really enjoyed that. Inside the farm, Lori and Carl are still looking, Lori and Carol are still looking for Carl. Right. <laughs> Wondering where he is. Back outside, Daryl is on his motorcycle shooting zombies then tells Jimmy to take the RV to the farm uh, just in time for Rick and Carl to jump on top. That's right. There is your rescue. Yes. But they didn't know it was coming. No, they had no idea that it was coming. <laughs> but it did get the attention. I don't know if rescue would have come if the barn hadn't have been on fire. Right. Now, uh, what did Daryl actually say to him? I, I couldn't quite catch it. It was something about, um, like, circling around. Was he just trying to draw the zombies around? I don't, Cause I don't recall. He seemed to drive straight to the barn. Yeah. But no one knew they were in there, so I, I wasn't clear on, on how they were uh, making that connection. Uh, Jimmy's a little psychic, I think. <laughs> sure, a little psychic. <laughs> Not psychic enough to know that he was about to be torn apart by zombies, Yes. Though. So you want to know what, go- what went through my head when uh, that whole scene where they jumped onto the top of the RV and then Jimmy got out of the driver's seat? Mm, no. You don't want to know what was going through my head? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. Yes, I do. Okay, so, and this actually, this is sort of the dialogue that I said to my wife. It's just, so he stopped the van, and then he started to get out of the seat, and I'm, I'm like, Jimmy, no, don't get out of the seat. Jimmy, don't stop. Jimmy, oh, Jimmy's down. <laughs> 
Jimmy's down. <laughs> and he was down. He was down. Jimmy he, went down. He got torn apart. So that's our first casualty of the evening. Yep. Jimmy is down. Uh, Carl and Rick get on top of the, the RV, manage to climb down the back. And luckily there's a fence right there holding yep. the zombies at bay so they can run off. True. Now, Rick makes a series of nice uh, headshots here. Well, as, in as rap, rapid succession, mm-hmm. too. It was really quite exciting. So we continue with lots of driving around and zombie killing. <clears throat> Andrea realizes that they're just going to run out of ammo before they even make a dent in this herd. So well, yeah. they're kind of wasting their time. They're, they can't herd the herd. No, it would be better to just get away, They, I think she's trying to say. They need a bunch of sheepdogs is what they need. <laughs> yeah, except those sheepdogs, they might herd them for a little while. With armor. Sheepdogs with armor. With armor. Uh, those yeah. uh, spiky collars. That actually would probably work. <clears throat> I might. mean, if sheep will sort of be herded by a dog a zombie could too because the dogs know that the zombies will follow them yeah but uh you bark at a sheep and it runs away and you bark at a zombie and it runs at you yeah bark at a zombie it's not going to do much that's the problem is they don't think right you shoot one it's not going to deter any of the other ones in any way shape or form it's not going to frighten them it's not going to scare them it's not going to you know make them turn direction really they're just they're in a frenzy at this point there's you know it's like herding kittens (laughs) <laughs> is that have you tried that it's very difficult to do okay well that's good uh so herschel is outside the front door of the farmhouse making a last stand mm-hmm. with his shotgun just his, blowing away zombies his magic shotgun his magic shotgun which we'll get to uh carol convinces Lori that they have to leave even though they haven't found carl yet but herschel won't come with them and they try to make a break for a car and by they i mean carol Lori. Beth and Patricia. Right. Everyone who was looking for Carl. As they're running, Patricia gets tackled and eaten. Yep. So and go- won't let go of Beth. Uh, Beth won't let go because she thinks she can like pull her away. I thought it was uh, Patricia wouldn't <clears throat> let go of Beth. No, no, no. I think it was the other way around. We had Beth holding on to Patricia's hand trying to pull her away from the zombie. But well, I thought for sure that arm was going to come loose either way. Oh, yeah. And she'd be left holding a limp arm mm-hmm. <laughs> for the second time 10 kilograms or 10 pounds of arm or whatever it or was. whatever it was yeah uh but no um uh patricia gets eaten so now jimmy and patricia are down yep we're, we're losing people fast and hard here there's no seinfeld reference for patricia unfortunately <laughs> no i guess not <laughs> patricia's down yeah so carol gets cornered but um Carol gets cornered as they're getting to the car, but Andrea saves her, Mm -hmm. which is exciting. The rest of the women get in the blue truck with T-Dog, but Andrea is left behind. Yeah. Because she had a zombie on top of her, and it looked from their perspective like the zombie had gotten her. Yep. Which is not cool. Not very good at all. Everyone thinks Andrea is dead for the the time being. Glenn and Maggie are in their car, and they get surrounded by zombies, and Glenn tells her that they have to get off the farm. She doesn't want to, but they uh, drive away anyways. Right. She doesn't want to leave everyone there. She doesn't know that they're all leaving. Meanwhile, Herschel is still standing there shooting zombies. Uh, After a while, he runs out of ammo. 
after a long while. long time well yeah they never showed him reloading in any way but i assume that he reloaded when we weren't looking i guess so but i'm pretty sure and i think we have one of our listeners write in about this later that they showed many many successive shots without reloading right <laughs> so uh we'll get into that then but it was a bit of a magic shotgun it's a cross between a shotgun and a bag of holding it's uh, got uh, right. four times the ammo capacity as it seems that would be so useful. It really would. That would be very I've always useful. wanted the bag of holding. <laughs> exactly. So a zombie is sneaking up behind him, and he doesn't see it. But just before the zombie gets there, Rick blows it away from point blank and saves Herschel. Mm-hmm. Now, Herschel has... Uh, there's been a couple of bad lines in this show in the last few episodes. I didn't. Everyone knows I didn't like the Shane line to Carl from a couple episodes ago. And Herschel has a bad line in this scene. What's his line? He says, they just... Uh, he says they just uh, won't stop coming. It's like a plague. No <laughs> kidding. He's really gotten over that uh, there are people and they can be cured thing, hasn't he? He really has. But I'm just like, did you have to say it's like a plague? In many ways, it is a plague. Well, not really. Uh, I don't know. You don't get sick from it. You when you die, you become a zombie. But it's not till after you die. And you know, sure, they're trying to kill you, but that's not really a plague. That's mass murder. It kind of bothered me. It's something that has mass infected everybody. It's like a zombie apocalypse. It's like a zombie apocalypse out here. My goodness. So it's Rick, like being in a sauna and saying it's like a sauna in here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which I'm sure you do every weekend when you go in a sauna. I don't have a sauna. Rick Carl. I don't like saunas. I don't like being hot. I don't like saunas. I would either. much rather fill a hot tub full of cold water and sit in that than <laughs> actually have it full of hot water. <laughs> Yeah, but that's a that's not a sauna. That's a. Uh, I know, but I don't like saunas. I've never <laughs> I've never really been partial to saunas because it's too hot. That's a hot tub. Saunas are those wood paneled rooms. Any I know what a sauna okay, is. Okay, sorry. A sauna, as the Finnish say. <laughs> but uh, no, I just I I prefer to be cold than hot is what I'm saying, and I right. don't like saunas. I don't wouldn't have a sauna, and if I had a sauna in my house, I'd turn that room into something else. Very good. All right, and you'd say this room is like something else in here. Rick, Carl, and Herschel get in the red and white truck and drive away. The so, Jimmy. Good for them. That's the Jimmy truck. I think it's the GMC Jimmy. Okay. <laughs> well, then he lives on. I'm going to have to look that up. I think it was a Jimmy. I'm not sure. He lives on. Andrea is left with the bag of guns and fleeing on foot. Yeah, that was a Jimmy. So there you go. <laughs> so Jimmy will live on in the name of a truck. Yeah. In a pickup. So as I said, Andrea's fleeing on foot. She has some guns, but nowhere to go. Bag everyone, of guns. Everyone else is leaving without her. If you got a bag of guns and no ammo, drop the bag of guns. It does seem to make some sense, but maybe there. But didn't didn't it? Uh, wasn't there some ammo in the bag? There was a little bit, but she pulled uh, the, the few bullets she had and put them in her pocket. Yeah. And then picked up the bag of guns and ran. Like, leave the bag. Of, it's just a big dead weight that you don't need right she, now. You, you could use the guns the guns as clubs. Take one gun, use it as a club. That's true. Climb a tree. I suppose. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to think straight in these situations, I, I'm telling you. Yes, but when in a panic, you just leave the heavy thing behind, I think. And go. Uh, okay, well, Daryl has left, and he's sitting from a distance just watching the barn burn up, mm-hmm. kind of not really doing anything. But he hears Carol screaming, and he picks her up on the motorcycle, and they drive away just in time. So that is good. Now, before we go to a commercial, we get a rather nice shot of the barn roof collapsing. Do you remember, right. remember yeah. that scene? It was, it was a good one. There's a whole bunch of zombies silhouetted in front of the raging fire. The roof collapses. The camera pans up to the sky, and we go to commercial. But I thought it was a really, really nice shot. Mm-hmm. 
And on AMC's Talking Dead, right after this episode, they had addressed that. And apparently it was just dumb luck that they caught that shot. Really? Somebody on set saw one of the beams fall down and they thought, well, this roof's about to collapse. We better get a camera on it. And they did. They didn't have a camera on it the whole time? Well, I don't know. I mean, they got to conserve conserve time, camera time, I guess. Uh, they are using film. Mm-hmm. Conserve film. Well, I would have pointed at, at least two cameras at the thing the whole time because... Mm-hmm. You know, you light a barn on fire, eventually the thing's going to collapse. Oh, yeah, and it's going to be spectacular. Yeah, so you <clears throat> you put, you leave it there, and you get somebody with their finger on the trigger waiting. Yeah, I suppose. You don't go, holy crap, we got to send up a, set up a camera. Well, Glenn Mazzara on Talking Dead said that it was kind of dumb luck, so I'm glad they got it. I'm it glad they got it, too. It was a very nice shot. After the commercial break, so here's here's what we've got. So we've got some a splintered group fleeing this mass carnage we've got uh four groups as far as i can remember and correct me if i'm wrong we've got rick herschel and carl together yeah we've got Lori, beth and t-dog mm-hmm. together in the blue truck we've got daryl and carol on the motorcycle yep and we've got andrea on foot running running with a bag of guns and i believe that's everybody i think so everybody else is dead <laughs> everybody else is dead exactly so we lost two more people yep there was a lot of death in the last few episodes mm-hmm. We uh, come back from the commercial with Daryl and Carol swerving past zombies down the road, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. We got a nice motorcycle cam there. Glenn and Maggie are in their car, and Maggie's freaking out that everybody must be dead, and they just left them there. She's not too happy about that. Glenn is trying to comfort her and suggests that they head back to the highway where they left supplies for Sophia. It's a good idea. What a great idea. There's a truck full of water right there. Exactly. Presumably it's still there. He takes the driver's seat because she's a little bit panicky and he comforts her by telling her that he loves her it's nice it was nice yeah that seems to work too she seems uh to enjoy that (laughs) for lack of a better way of saying it uh rick's group is the first to show up at the highway carl is upset that they left his mom yeah understandably but herschel tells rick that keeping carl is safe keeping carl safe is the most important thing he suggests Rick and Carl leave, but Rick insists that they have to stay together. Right. He was very adamant about this. Very, very adamant about all that. All episode. Um, T-Dog and the girls are heading east to the coast. T-Dog also is adamant about that being the right thing to do. Right. <laughs> he refuses to go back until Lori threatens to get out of the car. And he kind of says, you're out of your mind, but he turns around anyways. Right. So that's good. Otherwise, we'd have them heading to the coast with... Nowhere to go. Yep. Rick, yep. Carl, and Herschel. Yeah? Nothing. Rick, Carl, and Herschel hide from a zombie as it goes by. I guess they're trying not to make any noise. Right. Attract, good plan. Good plan. Attract any more. Yeah, they wouldn't want to do that. Herschel still thinks that Carl and Rick should go, and Rick is about to agree and tell Carl that they have to leave, but suddenly the whole gang shows up. Everybody shows up at the same time. At the same time. And I understand that they kind of have to be economical with their writing and their scenes and how they do this but yeah they're not going to drag it out for three episodes no obviously not but i don't know having them all show up at the same time it was kind of kind of funny but i can let it pass right uh daryl gets out of everyone gets out of their cars and daryl makes a crack about glenn's bad driving (laughs) which was i guess a way to explain how they all arrived at the same place they saw each other on the road and created a convoy right uh now they talk about who didn't make it including shane uh, and they aren't sure about Andrea, of course. Right. They don't know. Now, they don't get into the details of why Shane isn't there, other than he's he didn't make it. He didn't make it. He's not here. Poor Shane. 
Uh, that single zombie walks back up and Daryl bolts him in the head, after which they get back in their vehicles and head off down the highway. Right. Now, did it strike you as kind of interesting how that one single zombie they were so nonchalant about? No, why? Well, I, I thought I thought it was like they were all talking. The zombie was walking up and they were continuing their conversation, knowing that he was coming. And they just knew, you know what? We can deal with one. It's the problem when there's 5,000 of them, and that's a problem. You're saying that that's a bad thing, or are you saying that they're getting used to it, and that's a good thing? I'm saying it's a good thing. It's I'm good saying thing, that right? the characters are getting used to it, sort of. We can see that, uh, at least when there's one or two zombies, you know, not a major threat. Right. Um, and I, it also sort of seems to me like the, you know, the writers are moving them in that direction. They're right. kind of getting them accustomed to this world that they live in a little bit. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I liked it. I thought it was interesting. So we go to commercial, and when we come back, we are with Andrea, who's running through the forest with zombies chasing her. Uh, it looks like she's been running for quite a while. She looks tired. She does look tired. She stops to check her ammo. Here's where she checks her ammo. So she has some with her in the bag. Right. Uh, she kills one, and she kills a zombie hand-to-hand against a tree by ramming its head into the tree. Why not? Pretty cool, I thought. Yep. She keeps running and picks some off with guns as she's going. On the road, Rick's car is running out of gas, so they all have to pull over. Right. You knew this would happen at some point. And they talk about what to do, and Rick decides to stay the night so they can search for gas in the morning, and he talks even more about the importance of staying together at this point. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want anyone going off on their own without at a vehicle. All, ever. Ever. We're staying together. We're a group. We managed to get out of the farm as a group. We're never getting separated again. That's right. That's kind of what he's saying. Uh, Daryl then tells everybody that Randall wasn't bit, but turned. He says Shane killed him. And then we have the big reveal where Mm -hmm. Rick tells them the Jenner secret. Finally. Finally. Uh, now it does in some ways feel like it was a long time coming, but when you think about it, you know, set it up in the finale of one season and pay off in the finale of the next season. Yep. It's not entirely unreasonable or unusual for TV shows to do this. Right. So he says we're all infected and everyone, you know, it's, we carry it all with us, he says. Very upsetting. Very upsetting, especially for Carol and Glenn who question him on his decision not to tell everybody right away. And all Rick can say is that he thought it was best if everybody didn't know. Right. Now that said, he also wasn't sure. He had no way of knowing if Jenner was actually telling him the truth. Right. Until he killed Shane and Shane got up as a walker. Right. Then he knew for sure. Then he knew for sure. <clears throat> but he kind of walks off on his own, <laughs> I guess, a you know, a few feet down the highway. Yeah. And Lori follows him, and he tells her exactly what happened with Shane. And as he's speaking, she's slowly backing away from him. Yeah. It was very, very telling, I thought. Uh, when he gets to the part about Carl putting Shane down, Lori reacts pretty badly and recoils in horror from Rick. She won't even let him touch her. Yep. And she's just absolutely horrified by him. Well, she's, you know, she's lost control of uh, her parenting abilities over Carl. And, uh, he, you know, he's doing stuff that she doesn't necessarily approve of. Uh-huh. Killing zombies and the like. Uh, and killing Shanes <clears throat> and the like. Uh, so she's very upset. Was it strictly related in your mind to the fact that her son was the one who shot Shane? Or was it just a culmination of it all? And kind of like, you know, Rick had to kill his best friend, maybe a a realization on her part that, you know, I had a big part of this, you know, that maybe this is all my fault kind of thing. 
I think it's uh, a culmination. I think it's a straw that broke the camel's back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe. It seems like she was she was upset by the fact that he had to kill him. But but it's it's just that Carl thing is what really pushed her over the edge. I don't know. Maybe Shane is uh, Carl's father. Well, I had that occurrence too. <laughs> she suddenly had a realization that Carl had to kill his own father. Yep. I don't think so. I don't think so either, but it, it occurred to me. Maybe um, she just felt that she loved uh, Shane best. Yeah, that, well, that, uh, you know, Rick and Carl, uh, Rick and Shane having it having it out is one thing, but having her son killing her uh, her lover and the one the guy she prefers overall is very upsetting. It is. It, it would be upsetting. The other thing I thought maybe was happening is all this stress was suddenly causing her to have problems with the baby. Oh, could be. <clears throat> I was like, oh my god, she's about to have a miscarriage or something like that. Because you know, I I hear that can happen. Or maybe uh, she, when she thought that Rick had killed Shane, that uh, she was pretty sure that she would kill Rick because you know he killed her lover and she really loved Shane. <laughs> but now that when she found out that uh, Carl killed Shane, she's like, oh, I can't kill my own son. Uh-huh. So now I'm uh, I don't my you know focus of my rage now either has to be directed at my son, which is not good. And I can't, uh, I don't have an excuse any longer to kill my husband. That is the craziest theory of them all. <laughs> no, it isn't. I can't kill. It has nothing to do with a lich. I'd ca- <laughs> Yeah, you're right. I'm sure he's in there somewhere, though. But I, she can't kill her own. She was going to kill her own husband, found yeah. out it was her son, and can't do it. And it's very upsetting. And very upsetting. Yeah. All right. Well, that is pretty insane. After the commercial break, we come back, and Andrea is still in the forest. She takes down a couple of more walkers, but one gets on top of her, mm-hmm. and uh, she's struggling, and it looks like we are at Andrea's end, but suddenly its head is cut off by a katana blade that Shing. swings that swings through the, the, the shot, and we see a hooded mystery person with two armless zombies chained behind him or her. And jawless. <laughs> or a jawless as well, that's right. Although it was hard to tell that from the sort of angle and the darkness. Yeah, but I knew. Well, you knew, of course. But you know everything. That's right. And uh, this is, of course, Michonne from the mm. comics, which is really, really exciting. Uh, although we don't get much, we don't get much of a shot of her. In Not fact, a whole we lot. don't get anything. She's hooded, and we don't see a face. No, we don't see anything. And I'm going to have to say that is because they hadn't cast the person to play her yes. when they filmed this. That's right. It could be anybody. In fact, it's probably Greg Nicotero under there, since he does all that kind of stuff. Hey, that'd be awesome. <laughs> probably. Um, so, uh, anyways, it's very exciting. People are very excited to to have this happen. I went back to that shot with her with the two zombies on the uh, on the collars like mm-hmm. six times after the show had ended. Yeah. Uh, did you notice how skinny they were? They were very very skinny. <laughs> and I know all the zombies are skinny in this show, but these these ones were just obs seenly skinny yeah they were model skinny <laughs> even beyond that they were zombie skinny but they you know people look skinnier without arms you think so I th- <laughs> probably because honestly i kind of think so a lot of your width comes from your shoulders right yeah so you know you take off somebody's <laughs> arms they look uh first of all you lose 20 pounds right there <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> second of all you look a lot thinner uh-huh <laughs> I suppose. Uh, yeah, but the effect was really, really well done. It was nicely done. I liked it. Uh, everything in this episode looked really good. Mm-hmm. You got to think that they were saving up their budget for this final episode. Oh, yeah. You know, it was amazing. All outdoors, except for one, maybe two shots. 
Yeah. You know how they were having a couple a shots outdoor, outdoor episode, indoor episode, outdoor episode. This was an outdoor episode. It sure was. And it was a barn on fire episode. Uh-huh. But that's all we get of Michonne saves Andrea. Andrea kind of looks up at her like, wow, who are you? <laughs> and we cut back to the main group. They're all sitting around a fire. Uh, I guess sort of protected a little bit by some uh, stone ruins of a building it looked like. Yeah, ruins. <laughs> ruins. Carol tells Daryl, we see a couple of side conversations here. We got Carol telling Daryl that she no longer believes in Rick's honor. But right. Daryl stands up for him, Yeah, which I liked. Rick's, uh, he says Rick's never, uh, he's always done good by me or something like that. Mm-hmm. Maggie wants to leave too. She's telling this to Glenn, but Herschel's right there and says that would be foolish. Right. Smart Herschel. He's setting his daughter straight. Yeah. Suddenly they hear a noise in the woods and everyone wants to go see what it was. Right. <laughs> I guess, I guess they're just worried. What's that? Yeah. They all want to leave, but Rick uh, gets up and kind of gives his speech about staying together once again. It's very important. Nobody's walking off. And then he tells them all that he had to kill Shane. Right. So everything is out in the open. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows and... I guess everyone has to deal with it in their own way. Rick suggests that maybe he gets frustrated because, you know, he feels that people aren't listening to him and he, he suggests that maybe they would be better off without him. He yeah. tells everyone to leave if they want, but of course they don't. Nope. And he says, and it's clear that Rick is the boss now. He says, this isn't a democracy anymore. Yeah. You do what I say. You can leave. I'm not going to stop you. But if you stay, you do what I say. It's my way uh-huh. or the highway. It's exactly that. Yeah. <laughs> so we get some final shots of everybody looking really worried or pissed or upset or, you know, just generally confused. And the music starts playing and the camera pans up from the fire over the trees, over a body of water. And in the distance, we see a large double fenced building uh, just sitting there with no lights on. Yeah, I wonder what that was. Were you being vague coy about it? I'm not. It's a prison. <laughs> it's a prison. <laughs> <laughs> a large double-fenced building. A prison in the middle of nowhere. I didn't even see any roads going towards it. Uh, well, it's it looks very close, but it's not that close. I mean, there could easily be a road somewhere heading towards it. Right. No lights on. Uh, no lights on. So that means they're either saving power or don't have any. Right. Uh, or there's just nobody there. Or they didn't build a fire. But they... Uh... You know, I'm just thinking back to the comic and what situation was at the prison when they showed up. I'll tell you what it was. They got to the prison. Uh, there were walkers around yep. inside the gate. So they went in and one at a time cleared out the um, the courtyard of the prison. Right. Or the prison yard, I guess. Once that was clear, they went inside and were slowly clearing the zombies inside the prison until they got to basically the final room, yep. which is the cafeteria. They open it expecting to find zombies, but instead they find some guys sitting there having lunch. Right. Now, were those uh, those guys, I'm just wondering whether or not they were locked in. Oh, yeah, they might have been locked in. They might have been locked in, so they wouldn't have had any choice because they, uh, they were using one of the freezers as... Uh, uh, a garbage dump kind of thing were they i don't remember that but i think you're right i think they were locked in in there luckily that's where all the food is and they could they were locked in but zombies were also locked out right so it was in it the was comic one, one cell block though they didn't clear the whole thing not at first you're yeah. right not at first uh but anyways in the show we get a shot of the prison that is clearly where our group was going to end up in season three really <laughs> he's figured they're not just going to show it and then that'll be the end of that they're just going to head off in the other direction and everyone's gonna be like no turn around they they uh they showed a helicopter in the pilot and then again in this episode and they really didn't uh, bring that to fruition 
Yeah, I think all of these things are going to come together in season three. You think there's if, a helipad at the at the prison? Uh, there could be, but I don't think the, the helicopter's from the prison. Right. I think the helicopter's from somewhere else. Um, but, uh, but anyways, it's pretty clear that they're heading towards this prison and yes, they are going to end up there probably for the duration of season three and maybe beyond. I think so. Cause they were, they were there for a very long time in, in the, uh, in the comic. Oh yeah. Long, long, long time. Uh, now that said, and we won't get into it, but the, the reason they have to leave the prison in the comic, you know, is introduced, uh, long after they sort of have been at the prison for a while. Right. Whereas I have a feeling that's going to be introduced a lot quicker in it season three. Sure is. So we won't get into that. We'll do. I don't know. We'll probably do some predicting on a future episode of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Not too long, but uh, uh, we we probably we'll get into it more then. I think. Mm-hmm. So um, I gotta say, this episode was pretty spectacular. It was pretty good. It had it really had everything you want out of this TV show. I think. You know, a lot of it, yeah. I mean, everybody wants, they want action, they want zombies. Uh, most people are okay with character building dialogue, and we had all of those things all wrapped into one big episode. I completely understand how, you know, throughout the rest of the season, we have sort of one episode that's a little more character heavy and one that's a little more action heavy and stuff like that. They got to do that sometimes because you can't do this kind of episode every time. No, and it would get boring too. You can't burn a barn down every week. Well, you can, but it would be expensive and it would get boring. That's right. But as a season finale and as a setup for next year and as a payoff for stuff that's been happening for a long time, I think it nailed every nail on the head. Right. It hammered every nail on the head. It uh, nailed every hammer. That's right. (laughs) Um, What do you think? What are your thoughts on this episode? Overall, I thought it was great. I really thought it was a a good episode and uh, there were very few things that... uh, that I didn't like about it. There were a couple of things, but we'll get into that either in uh, prediction shows or uh, a little later on. But uh, there, was, there was a couple of special effect issues that I had, just to, just to name one. One in the fire, when the, you could, a shot of the zombies on fire inside the barn. Yep. There was uh, one that was obvious. The, uh, the shot, the filming of the fire was at a great distance, but the filming of the zombie was at a closer distance. Mm-hmm. And so the fire looked out of scale from, from the zombie. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't notice that. I thought the shot of the, the zombies actually on fire looked awesome. The scale was wrong. It's like it was like little tiny miniature flames on top of this zombie. Oh, really? Yeah. So you think that you don't think they actually lit people on fire? I think they did for some stuff, but you can't have a prolonged shot of somebody on fire. So you don't think they could have eight to twelve stuntmen on fire and shoot that? That's kind of dangerous. That's too many people. Because if fire. you have one person on fire and there's another person on fire and they walk into each other and one happens to get knocked out. Then you, you know, got an unconscious person. You on got fire. problems, right? Yeah, so yeah, okay. I, just, I think it's a safety issue to to light eight people on fire. <laughs> in general, that sounds like a safety issue. <laughs> it's yeah. a safety issue to light a barn on fire that you're planning on staying in for a little while. That's true. <laughs> Personally, that is very true. Uh, anyways, I thought the shot looked good. I didn't notice the fire problem, but I I thought to myself, oh, look at all those people on fire. That's amazing. I, th- I think this episode had everything. It had uh, all kinds of stuff. It even had a Three's Company problem. Uh, which is good, you know, when the audience knows something that the characters don't. So uh-huh. when Andrea fell down and we knew she was okay, we knew that she wasn't dead, but everybody left her behind. It's like, no, don't leave her behind. So that's uh, that's very Three's Company. We also knew that Carl was okay when Laurie and everyone else didn't. That's true. There was a couple of Three's Company paradoxes in here. Right. 
Is that, are they paradoxes? Well, they're not really paradoxes. It's <laughs> no. just, it's, uh, I'm not even sure of the term. It's probably a Shakespearean thing. Yeah. Uh, where the audience knows something the characters don't. Yeah, true. Happened a couple times. Now, and, and for this show, I'm happy to say it actually doesn't happen that often. No, it doesn't. Now, the whole Rick knowing what Jenner said thing, we didn't know that, but Rick did, which is the opposite. That's true. And in other shows, people just don't talk to each other, which uh, drives me crazy. So in this one, it's nice to get everything out in the open. I like that about this show. Yep. Amongst other things. So overall, very, very good episode. In my opinion, it's probably the best one since the premiere of season one. You think so? I absolutely, I still love the pilot episode. I think it is just absolutely a masterpiece. And this episode is different in many ways, but it's it was perfect for finishing off season two in my mind. It's in my uh, it's in my top three mm-hmm. pilot, and then the uh, the finale, the, the multi no the, the mid season finale, and then this one. Yeah, so they know how to end on a, a start and end on a high note. I That's think. right. They know what they're doing. All right, we're gonna take a quick break and come back with holy crap! Did you see that? First, we have to thank our sponsor, which is Audible for this podcast. For the listeners of The Talking Dead, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out the service. Do you have a recommendation for us, uh, for the listeners this week? You did. I, uh, you did. <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> you, I, you sure did. You sure did there, Chris. Uh, so what I'm going to recommend today is uh, not an actual specific book, but I'm going to recommend uh, Grover Gardner in general. He's one of the uh, the narrators <clears throat> At at, uh, at Audible, he's narrating the stand, and while listening to the stand that I uh, you know touted again last week, uh, I remembered that uh, well, I realized that he uh, narrated uh, the rise and fall of the Third Reich, a, a history of Nazi Germany, which I listened to about a year and a half, maybe two years ago, and I really enjoyed that too. So uh, I looked him up on Audible and looked at all the uh, the the items that he narrated, and I've got two hundred and sixty seven results. That guy spends a lot of time reading audiobooks he sure does and it looks like there's uh, i might actually pick up some of the uh, some of the other things that he narrated just strictly on the fact that he narrated them and they look kind of interesting that's cool so you're kind of recommending the same thing three weeks in a row well i am but i've also got like uh, the autobiography of mark twain volume one sounds good i've got uh, play dead i don't know what that is but there's a picture of the dog on the front <laughs> okay has nothing to do with uh zombies but a Dog that can do tricks. <laughs> I, I really have no idea. Okay, it's a, a book of some kind. There's there seems to be ton. There's tons there. So Grover Gardner. Grover Gardner. All right, go and find him at audible.com. But when you're on your way there, make sure you go to audibletrial.com/talkingdead. That is how you can uh, get your free 30-day trial. Once again, that is audibletrial.com/talkingdead for your free audiobook. Holy crap. Did you see that? All righty. Holy crap. Did you see that? Our first one this week comes from Andrew in Seattle about the episode Better Angels. <clears throat> and he says, T-Dog had lines this episode. Yay. He still wasn't allowed to go Randall hunting with the cool characters, but he was allowed to at least go fetch Randall. That's nice. Isn't that exciting? So T-Dog had some lines. And I would just like to say that T-Dog had a... Slightly larger part in the season finale, too. He did. He was driving away with the girls, and he was like, no, you're coming with me, until they convinced him to go around the other way. That's, yeah, that's good. So, so it he, is. He actually had an opinion as well, which is nice. It is good. It's nice to see him doing something finally. And and I, I, I've, I've grown to like T-Dog. You know, it took me a little while, because he was the one sort of new character that I thought was 
wasted, but I'm I'm okay with him now, and I'd like to see him get a bigger part moving forward. He's still alive, too. That is important. It is. That is important. And many others are not. So we got uh, another email from uh, Jason in Missouri. My holy crap moment was when Carl discovered Rick and dead Shane. They show the farmhouse behind Carl about the same distance as Dale was when he was attacked last week. They just spent the last 20 minutes uh, making it seem that Shane took Rick far away from the camp uh, and wit- uh, sorry, what does that say? And witnesses. Uh, they never show the farmhouse during the argument, so everyone could hear Dale's screams for help, but not Rick and Shane argue uh, or fire a gun. Uh, when everyone is supposed to be watching and listening diligently. Uh, seems kind of far-fetched that Shane thought he could kill Rick there in sight and earshot of the farmhouse, but he is crazy as shit right now, I guess. So this is something we talked about a little bit last week. They took an awful long time walking <clears throat> through the forest to get right back to the farm. Okay, well, Shane is no tracker, right? And he really doesn't know his way through the, around the woods. That's he probably true. got lost. Do-de-do, taking him far away, taking him far away. <laughs> <laughs> and here you are back at the farmhouse. Damn it. We I just guess went so. around in a big circle. Jason's other point, though, is that they could hear uh, um, they could hear Dale screaming for help, but they couldn't hear these guys yelling at each other or firing a gun. Now, I don't know. It's Maybe the wind was blowing the other way that night. They and... were uphill. Were they? they yeah, it was, uh, they were, you know, on top of a little hill. So the sound was just going right out over top I, of I everything no else? idea. Okay. <laughs> Well, Mark from 18 Miles Out writes, Wow, I guess I'll start with a holy crap moment. Dr. Lori Frankenstein. (laughs) (laughs) Has she really created her own monster or what? She sleeps with her husband's best friend and realizes it was a big mistake when Rick shows up in Atlanta. She blows off Shane and stands by her man, then feels threatened by Shane and tells Rick that he is a major problem he needs to take care of, planting the seeds of hate towards Shane. Then she has a moment of weakness and tells Shane that what they had was uh, real watering the seeds of hate towards Rick. And now that it's all hit the fan, she's terrified of Rick for doing exactly what she asked him to do. So uh, I completely agree with Mark. I have some problems with Lori. She's been hoisted by her own petard. (laughs) Okay. What exactly does that mean? I don't know. She's, she made her own bed. Now she has to lie in it. That makes more sense. She's made her own bed and she has to sleep in it. I don't even know what a petard is. Me neither, but it seems like an appropriate phrase at this moment, and I'm not sure why. Okay, well, I, and, and you know, I don't even entirely blame, well, I don't blame, um, uh, you know, the character of Lori so much, because I just feel like they're writing her a different way every episode. Yeah. It's like, do this, don't do this. I love you. No, I love you. You know. It's your baby. No, it's your baby. No, I'm sure it's your baby. No, he's my son. No, he killed the father of my baby. Too much flip-flopping on her character. I mean, she needs to take a stand and stick with it. But I can see that this is how they were setting up that major tension. I don't know. Consistency is the refuge of the (laughs) weak-minded. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, all I ask is for some consistency. Yeah. It's too much to ask for. (laughs) That's right. So we got Robbie from Texas. I had two, holy crap, did you see that moment? The first one was old man Herschel's spry footwork up the stairs to his house after offering his bed to Lori. So that's in the previous episode when they're moving into the farmhouse. I didn't notice, but I guess Herschel just uh, ran right up those stairs. Yeah. The second was the body heat rising off the recently deceased Shane right before Carl finds him. Again, I did not notice the body heat rising off Shane. Me neither. But if it was there, uh, that would have made me say, holy crap, look at that. That's cool. (laughs) 
Ken from Sacramento writes in. He says, my holy shit, did you see that? <laughs> Which is not correct, but we'll let it pass, Ken. Moment from tonight's episode was Herschel and his shotgun of infinite ammo. <laughs> <laughs> Most shotguns like the one Herschel was using fire five, maybe six shots. Then you have to reload. Not Herschel's. There's one scene in which I counted him firing 20 times wow. without reloading. We see him put a few shells in late in the scene, but he was probably just giving his shoulder a break since that recoil can be murder. So it is a shotgun of holding. It clearly is. <laughs> it's a magic shotgun of holding. He he can hold 20 shots in that thing. That's awesome. So we got uh, Chris from Georgia. My holy crap, did you see that? Is Lori's reaction to Rick telling her that he killed Shane. I think she still loves him. Still sticking to my theory that she will be the next main character to go. All right. So clearly she was, we've already talked earlier that she was uh, recoiling recoiling in horror when uh, when Lori was, when she was listening to Rick's story. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I could see them killing her off, you know? It would be gut-wrenching and emotional and the audience wouldn't see it coming and... You know, they would at least solve the flip-flop problem. Yep, that's true. <laughs> and it would solve the baby problem, she too. Would just, she would just flop. She would flop, and that would be that. No more flipping. <clears throat> exactly. Rich from Vancouver, B.C. writes in the entire episode. <laughs> Holy crap, did you see that episode? <laughs> I was on the edge of my seat the entire hour. Because I should name something specific, the end of the show when Rick declares, this is not a democracy. I have to wonder if Rick has lost his mind even a little, as things just seem to get worse for the group. I am curious to see how the group will react to this in season three, because I sense a huge divide coming, and I'm not certain that Rick will survive that divide. Hmm. So I don't think Rick is going to be killed off. No. But I can see what Rich here is saying, that uh, we might get some some differing of opinions here on how to proceed. Well, yes, there's going to be definitely differing <clears throat> opinions. But then then again, Rick is known to make, like in the comic book especially, make declarative absolute statements and then do the exact opposite in like three frames later. We do not kill the living. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> But we've already we, we're already past that. I the, know, uh, but you know, just his declarative statements. You know, absolute. This is no longer a democracy. You know, by the next morning, he's start going to start asking people what they think. That's true. I mean, I guess he has advisors, right? He he wants to get their advice, but then it's ultimately his decision what they do. Yeah. But it was it was a big scene, and I I am interested to see what happens in the early episodes of season three. Absolutely. So we got uh, Mark from Toronto. The scene where Glenn, Andrea, and Billy are getting headshots from moving vehicles with two pistols and a shotgun. I am calling shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> Good call. I will reference an American TV show show called Top Shot. The series is about an American champion competitive and military shooters making trick shots. In one challenge, the shooters uh, were seated in uh, in a zip line and had to hit as many targets as they could while moving down a hill. That would be very difficult. Uh-huh. These are highly skilled and experienced shooters, and they were only able to make about 50% of their hits to the center mass. Andrea and the rest of the amateur divide, uh, drive-by shootings were able to make headshots from moving vehicles. I am calling, holy crap, did you see that Hollywood magic shenanigans moment? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so um, everyone noticed this too, but to be quite honest, I've gotten used to it a yeah, little bit. They, they all get headshots. They're all master marksmen. And even beyond that, they're lucky marksmen. They're lucky. They, they, can, they, they can be in moving cars hanging out of a window and, you know, even in real life, when someone tries to pull a drive-by shooting, 
you have to fire eight or nine times to just hope you hit the person. Well, not even that because, uh, you know, I think a lot of drive-by shootings are made with, uh, you know, automatic submachine guns kind of thing. You get a, a Mac-10 or a, an Uzi or something like that. And first of all, they got very short barrels and their aim is complete crap, and especially when you have a lot of recoil. Right. As soon as you fire that first shot, the second shot straight up in the air, and the third one is in the guy beside you. <laughs> <laughs> Not a good uh, yeah. thing. So, yeah, the fact that uh, they were getting headshots left, right, and center, I absolutely agree. Uh, I cry bullshit. It's it's ridiculous, but I've I've learned to live with it, and it's just the nature of TV and movies. You know, right. people are people are better at stuff in movies and TV than they are in real life. Well, look at Andrea and her uh, her magic weapons of the farmstead, where she has her scythe that she gets a headshot when there's people standing around. She's got that friggin' pitchfork that can do no wrong. Yeah. It's too bad she didn't have any of that stuff when she was in the forest. <laughs> I guess so. It might have helped. She could she could, have, she could have taken on Michonne with that uh, katana. Uh, yes, she probably could have. You have a katana, I have a pitchfork. You're dead. <laughs> what shall we do now? <laughs> so Andrew from the internet writes in, my holy crap, did you see that moment was Rick's epic I'm the boss speech at the end of the episode. Talk about getting your troops in line. Shane may have been Rick's biggest enemy this season, but it seems Rick channeled his inner Shane in that speech. He sounded like a man who was sick and tired of his leadership being questioned, first by Shane and now by the entire group. My favorite line from the speech was when he says, this isn't a democracy anymore, claiming his position once and for all as the leader of the group and that anyone who has a problem with it should just leave. So a good one yep. that we've already kind of addressed, but uh, it was it was good to see Rick... Well, we'll see what happens. It was good to see Rick stake his point there. Right. For <clears throat> lack of a better way of saying that, too. Uh, so we got three more here, all about about Michonne showing up. People were very, very excited about this. Uh, Jay, how about you read the first one, and uh, I'll do the second two. Okay, so we got Chad from Wisconsin. There are so many holy craps in the final episode of the season uh, gut-eating zombies, Herschel almost never-ending shotgun, Rick going into Shane-style uh, Shane rant. But as a fan of the comic, I have to go with Michonne showing up to save Andrea with her sword. It was a very cool introduction for the character. Oh, yeah. You know, a lot different than the comic, of course. But this this was very, very cool. Yeah. You know, having someone who is just about to be eaten and then all of a sudden a samurai sword and a head chop off. Yep, pretty wicked. Good stuff. David from North Carolina says, very simply, the introduction of Michonne. How badass was that? Yep. And finally, Nitra from California writes, my holy crap moment from last night's episode was the best character intro ever. I loved it how Andrea was quite literally running for her life and taking out zombies at the same time. Then when it looks like this is going to be the end for Andrea, we see the glimmer of a blade as it slices through the skull <laughs> of a zombie and we see a hooded figure shadowed by the sun. Very cool. Mm -hmm. My moment from this episode is also related to Andrea, and it is simply the scene uh, where she's killing walkers right before rescued by Michonne. She pounds one with the butt of her gun. Yep. And then stabs one right in the mouth with a knife. Yep. I thought it was pretty nasty. The one that she got with the butt of her gun, um, I noticed that it was really gooey. A lot yeah. of blood came out of that one. It was like a, the brain, or brain pan was filled with blood. It was, and it was in stark contrast to last episode when they were out on patrol killing zombies and they smashed the head of one that looked like it was empty and there was no blood. That's weird. So it seems like these zombies have varying degrees of goop left in their heads. They're like uh, getting a uh, box of chocolates. 
You never know what you're going to get when you crack one open. That is true. <laughs> what have you got for us, Jason? Well, you know, I'm going to go with uh, Glenn and uh, his shotgun. And it, it not specifically when he's shooting it, but when he gets in the driver's seat of that Hyundai and he still has that shotgun in his hand and he points it at his head at least two or three times while he's trying to maneuver it around to put the car in gear. Oh, I know. It's like, dude, take control of the weapon and do not point it at yourself when you're driving on a bumpy road. He he just <clears throat> seems to have a problem with that. That's... He's a dead shot aim with that sucker. He's, <laughs> it's almost surgical with that thing, but uh, he just has a nasty habit of pointing it at himself when he's in a car. Yeah, and he he keeps doing it. Like he's either gonna learn the hard way. That's that's a hard lesson to learn. <laughs> that really is, and I I don't think there's any other way to learn because no one else is gonna say, um, you want to stop pointing the gun at yourself? <laughs> yeah, do not point it at yourself while it's loaded. I mean, <laughs> you're supposed ever. to look down. Well, you're supposed to look down the barrel when you completely clear a weapon, and you're supposed to you you have to make sure the barrel is clear at some point, right? Right. So you don't accidentally load it and fire it off, and there's a squirrel in there or something. <laughs> So you're supposed to look down the barrel. If you can look down from the back end of the of the firearm out, that's fine. But if you have to look down, uh, that's okay too. But you, that, that's the last thing you do after you've made sure that that sucker is empty and there's no magazine in it and that there, that the uh, the loading mechanism is completely free and there's no ammo anywhere near it. Then you look down the barrel of the gun to make sure that it's clear. Not when you get into a car and you have to lean it on your shoulder. And it's just you might as well stick it in your mouth just to make sure it doesn't move around. <laughs> Glenn, smarten up, buddy. Yeah. All righty. That is holy crap. Holy crap! Can you see that? Now it's time for this listener feedback. Listener feedback of a different variety. Mark from Vancouver, Washington, wrote in. And I looked up where that was because I only know of the more common Vancouver. Uh, and a, more Canadian can, Vancouver. More Canadian, that too. And you apparently know, it's just across the border from Portland, Oregon in huh. Washington. I think it's a suburb of Portland. Still. <laughs> Interesting. That's awesome. I also looked up how far it was from Washington, B, uh, from Vancouver, BC. And so I think it's about five hours by car. Right. You know, 500 kilometers or so. So can you imagine like getting in a car in Vancouver, BC, driving south for five hours and then arriving in Vancouver? Nice. That'd be weird. I've always wanted to go to uh, Ontario, uh, California. California. I've been there too. There's an airport there that I want to go to. Yeah, it's weird. It's 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 uh, it's it's weird to go somewhere that has the same name as where you live, but it's not. Yeah. Anyhow, Mark, we have, we have a London, Ontario, sort of like London, England. Yeah, I've I've never I've been to both. I haven't lived in either. Right. And in London, Ontario, these days they're rioting over something. I can't. I was watching the news. Remember what and, it was? And there was a riot of it, something to do with Fanshawe. And uh, when I saw the news, I'm like, "Wow, well, that's got to be you know, that's got to be London, England, because they you know they wouldn't do that in London, Ontario. It's a very sleepy town. No, Fanshawe College. The students were going crazy. I don't even remember what over. I got home today, watched the news. It's like, nope, that's London, Ontario. What the hell's going on over there? All right, Mark from Vancouver, Washington writes in regards to the scene involving Shane and Randall in the woods. Shane breaks Randall's neck to kill him. Just breaking the bones of vertebrae is not enough to kill someone. You have to sever the spinal cord. Yeesh. When the cord is severed, the brain can't get signals to the rest of the body, and the person dies essentially from oxygen starvation of the brain because the lungs stop functioning. Right. Sounds, <clears throat> sounds horrible. Since breaking Randall's neck did kill him, we have to assume his spine was severed. From what we know about the zombie infection from our hero's time at the CDC, the virus takes control of the brainstem and reactivates the basic motor functions of the body to seek out and consume living flesh. If this is the case, how would Randall be able to get up and walk around as a zombie if his spinal cord was severed? 
The head would reanimate, but the zombified brain wouldn't be able to send signals to the body to force it to get up and walk around. He would just lay there snapping his jaws. So very, very true. Very uh, interesting observation. And well, maybe uh, he just—I uh, don't know. Maybe Shane, when he twisted his neck, just knocked him unconscious. She's like, "Ow, that hurts! I'm going to sleep." And then when he fell, he hit his head in a rock. <laughs> I suppose that it was possible. off camera. Could have been anything. Could have been anything. Maybe That's... he twisted his neck in order to knock him out, and then stepped on his stepped on his throat, and then suffocated him. Yeah. Although there was no cut between that. He walks over, you hear a crack, and then Shane walks back. Yeah, he fell on a rock. <laughs> he must have, I suppose. Maybe he accidentally stabbed himself with Shane's uh, knife, his zombie knife. <laughs> he accidentally did, eh? <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's what he did. Maybe he stabbed him and then snapped his neck. Maybe. Who knows? Read the next one. Oh, yeah. What are we doing here? Uh, John from John Jonathan from the internet. Hey, guys. I have uh, I just listened to the new podcast and wanted to let you know that I think the meaning of the zombie flashes after Shen, uh, Shane died meant. I think that it was not Shane's mind being uh, shown when Rick was uh, weeping over his body. What I think is that Rick was having those zombie flashes. Imagine that Shane would soon, imagining that Shane would soon become one of the undead. I think Rick knew Shane was going to return as a zombie, and those flashes of a zombie eating flesh uh, and groaning was what Rick was thinking about uh, uh, re-envisioning, not Shane. This is similar to when Jim was. Uh, thinking about turning into a zombie, and he started having flashes about zombies. So here's the thing about this. <clears throat> we speculated last week that this was the first time we'd seen this, yep. and it wasn't. We were dead wrong. We were wrong. Yep. Rick, uh, Jim had the same sort of things happen. Now, here, there's a couple of things that are different here. Number one, Jim was still alive when this was happening. Yep. He was... He was just had the fever, and he was getting sicker, and he was dying, and he was having these things. Shane for what we know, didn't have these flashes until he was already dead right. and this was happening in his mind as he was reanimating. So I think Jonathan's theory that it, that it was actually, we were seeing Rick imagining it, knowing that it was about to happen because Rick is still alive and Jim was still alive when it was happening to him. I think it's a really interesting theory. Yeah. And a few people wrote in to say the same thing. Now, having all that said, uh, Glenn Mazzara on Talking Dead AMC's show last night talked about this and he said no this is happening in Shane's brain oh well there it is <clears throat> so there it is and uh you know I I'd already pulled this email for the for the podcast before watching that so I want to leave it in because it was a really interesting theory and there there could be a slight inconsistency there if it was happening to Jim pre um pre-deceasing right pre-dying <laughs> well you don't really die I mean as soon as he, that uh, the zombie-itis gets a hold of you it reanimates you so maybe uh it was starting to work on uh on jim before he actually you know had achieved body death uh, well and that's the other thing i mean jim you do die at least for momentarily yeah um and the thing is jim was slowly dying of this infection whereas shane was stabbed and died from bleeding to death or being stabbed through the heart right so it was much quicker he, Shane didn't have any deterioration period, He only, whereas Jim did. So, you know, if the if the infection is in you and you're sick and dying, maybe that's enough to sort of give you the uh, glimpse into your future, as it were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but, but Shane died so quickly, it just all happened while he was reanimating. But right. pretty cool. And yes, we forgot entirely about Jim. We did. So there he is. 
Heather from Michigan writes in and says, maybe change Shane changed so quickly because he's crazy. <laughs> maybe the less healthy your brain is has something to do with the quick turnaround. Some may argue with me, but I believe that Shane has never been stable. He's been going downhill from the moment that Rick showed up. Could be. And I kind of agree with this too. I mean, he, he, and I also think it has to do, like he was crazy for sure, but I also think they've all had this infection in them for some time now. And it's probably really worked its way through their systems completely, so they're going to change faster. Well, maybe the uh, the, the sickness makes makes you crazy. Yeah, slowly. It makes you angry. It makes you um, irrational. Uh, you know, maybe he was infected. You know that in, the infection was showing long before he actually died. Yeah, could be. And and I mean, it, you'd think we'd be seeing that in all our characters, but. You know, it has to do with state of mind as much as anything else, I think. Maybe it's when he shaved his head. Oh, it must have been. You need hair to keep it at bay. Yeah. <laughs> hair is the uh, is zombies, zombie bane. Yep. All right. So uh, what are we doing here? We uh, Sarah Jane. Sarah Jane from California. I feel as though Shane's uh, request for Rick to have his gun in hand at the critical moment was representative of Shane's desire for Rick to recognize the zero-sum game of their relationship. Shane feels strongly that there is only room enough in their family for one of them, and he wants Rick to recognize it and, to, and in doing so, recognize Shane as more than just the runner-up. When Rick refuses to draw his weapon, Shane is left alone with his delusions and his relationship with Rick, uh, which in the past was a partnership, is now clearly gone. Right. So he just wanted to feel like the winner. Yeah. Right? He didn't want to just kill you. He wanted to uh, beat you. Well, yeah, exactly. He wanted to defeat him or beat him or be better than him. Right. Right. So that's cool. Kay from the internet writes in, I just listened to your podcast and I agree completely that Shane was doing okay until Lori came and had her chat with him. She did this after Rick told her everything would be okay. Shane was speechless, especially after she said she didn't even know whose baby it was. What happened to her, uh, what happened to her saying that it was Rick's baby, no matter what, it seems like she just wanted to stir things up again, and it didn't look didn't like the fact that Shane was being good and Rick had taken care of things. I have also wondered if Lori didn't have eyes on Shane before the apocalypse ha happened. She sure did jump in the sack with him awfully quickly. I think Lori's baby might be the key to survival. <laughs> so a little bit of a different point right at the end there, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I got the feeling Shane was doing okay until she came, and she was the linchpin that just set him off right at the end there. Yeah. I don't Maybe. Know. All right. Samantha from Ohio. <clears throat> Hi, guys. Samantha from Ohio here. First off, happy National Chocolate Caramel Day. Hey, that sounds like a good day. That does sound like a good day. And thank <clears throat> you for saying that, Samantha. That's awesome. <laughs> I wanted to send a little feedback to you on something you were discussing last week's cast when the execution of Randall was halted when Carl piped up, causing Rick to decide to just let Randall go. It's called a stay of execution. That's what we there couldn't think is. of. Thank See you, <laughs> Samantha. <clears throat> also, I wanted to bring up something I noticed more in last night's episode than in others. How is it that the walker skulls are soft enough for a knife to go in and out easily when someone shoots them at point-blank range, the bullet stays in the skull or doesn't hit anyone else in the line of fire, like Herschel's head. Right. And this caught my eye when the farm was overrun and Herschel was about to become a walker food and Rick walked up behind him and shot the walker at point blank range and Herschel didn't get hit. Uh, but he did have walker blood and brain matter all over the back of his head. Yeah, it's it's one of those suspension of disbelief things, I think. 
You can stab zombies in the head all you want, but bullets don't actually go through. Well, yeah, it's like a box of chocolates. You never know what's in there. It could be just a solid uh, piece of wood. <laughs> the way it's going, you never know what might well, might come out. These uh, these people are extremely lucky. They get headshots all the time. Mm-hmm. They, the bullet stops on the piece of wood inside zombie's brain when they need to, and sometimes the brains are empty when they. That's okay too. And sometimes they're full of blood. Zombie wood brain. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to get pudding eventually. You never know. This zombie just, you know, his brain has leaked out his ears and uh, just feels like eating pudding for days and days and days. And all of a sudden, mmm, tapioca. (laughs) You never know. Wayne from North Carolina writes, just wanted to point out the moment Rick says, this isn't a democracy anymore. You can see the intensity in his eyes. And for a moment, he reminded me of the recently departed Shane. Seems like a few people are thinking this, making this connection. Perhaps they were two sides of the same coin, and now with the proverbial counterweight gone, Rick is going to spiral out of control into a very dark place as we head into season three, especially with Laurie and Carl being a little uneasy around him. Interesting uh, interesting point there. Yeah. I also kind of felt Rick could have done a better job explaining what happened with Shane. He never really came out and said, Shane drew on me and threatened to kill me. He just kept repeating emotionally loaded statements like, I had to do it, and he was a threat to everything. I think it might have given everyone the wrong idea, especially Laurie and Carl, who now appear to be understandably distancing themselves from him. Yeah. Well, you know, obviously he's emotionally upset by this whole thing, having mm-hmm. to kill his friend and his partner. But uh, if you're trying to communicate an idea, be clear. He tried to kill me. I had to defend myself. Yeah. It's very simple, really. I yeah. mean, I was. it was either me or him, and I fooled him into... Not shooting me, and then I stabbed him. And I stabbed him in the heart. Very simple. All right, so we got an email from Darren in New Brunswick. Is the host of the Definitive Geek that Chris was on. Yeah, the Definitive Geek podcast that I was on <clears throat> last month. He wrote in about this episode. All right, so I think Rick and Lori have both lost it. Uh, or the writers didn't pay any attention to the last half of the season. <laughs> uh, Lori tells Rick, hey, it's either you or Shane. He will kill you to get to me. Uh, Rick and Shane, uh, Rick and Shane confrontation comes to fruition. And what does Lori do? She freaks out at Rick. Sorry, Lori. Hormones only are are so much of an excuse. Instead of explaining rationally what Shane had planned to do uh, to everyone, Rick makes it sound like he killed Shane in cold blood before Shane could kill him instead of saying it was self-defense. Well, that's what we were just saying. He kind of, I mean, he, he could have said I killed him before he killed me i mean that's what this standoff was all about right but you know darren here is just reinforcing my point about Lori flip-flopping all over the place yeah it's the more i think about it the more it's kind of driving me crazy i i I don't know i i wish there was a little more consistency in her character and pick a side and stick to it you know Eh. quit trying to pit everybody against everybody else well that's what she's doing she's trying to uh you know he's gonna he's gonna try and get to me and he's gonna try and kill you so you gotta kill him and then when he does She gets mad at him. Yeah, well, typical. Why did you do what I told you to do, jerk? (laughs) So our last email is Andrew in Seattle. He says, quite an excellent season finale. I had a couple of thoughts after watching it last night. Number one, it was a great mirror to end the first half of the season with the barn. There was that great image in a couple of uh, the earlier episodes of the zombies in the barn pressing out ominously, and to see it inverted in this episode, the doors were basically bulging in with zombies trying to get into the barn, was a pretty great flip. It's also interesting that if Shane hadn't opened the barn doors, it's possible that Rick and Carl wouldn't have been able to hide in there. Two, when Rick, with Rick finally admitting Jenner's secret, do you think that perhaps 
that perhaps was the reason that Rick decided against hanging Randall in judge jury executioner. He was trying to keep the secret and keep hope. So that was why he decided to go with the good old fashioned bullet to the cranium. Right. Except that I don't think Rick knew 100% yet. He didn't. And he hummed and hawed about how to kill him, too. He's like, oh, do I hang him? Do I shoot him in the head? Do we throw him to the lions? Uh, you know, do we crucify him? What do we do? Yeah, well, and we had a scene there of him sort of stringing up a hanging rope. Yeah. And then Laurie comes in and asks, is this how you're going to do it? And he's like, I have no idea. I've uh, never done this before. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so he did consider a few different ways. And I, I think... I really think he just didn't know for sure what was going to happen. And I don't know if that influenced his decision, but but it may have. I don't know. I mean, why take a chance, right? If he's right. trying to keep this secret, why take a chance of hanging the guy and then having a zombie hanging there? They're just going to have to shoot him anyway. Well, yeah, because they encountered that uh, that hanging zombie in the woods. Remember? He, oh, that's he right. That's right. And uh, yeah, there was a gun in the tent. But his uh, were his legs chewed off? Yeah, that's right. So he was bitten, and also Rick didn't see that. No. That was Andrea and Daryl, if I'm remembering correctly. Right. <clears throat> um, so there you go. That is it for listener feedback. We have lots more. Uh, everyone wrote in all kinds of tons this week, and um, we'll definitely try to get to some more of it in the next few weeks as we read some more feedback and probably uh, try to talk about some of these issues in a little bit more depth. Now... We have a few announcements to make, and that is first, next week on the podcast, which is the 26th, we're going to have Lisa from Talking Walking Dead come on mm. and uh, chat about, you know, the uh, season finale and season two in general and get a uh, get a woman's perspective on some of this stuff. Ooh, this, that, and the other thing we're going to talk about. This, that, and the other thing. And then on the... I think it's the week after that we have a very special guest who's going to come on and it is emily kinney who plays beth on the show so that is april 2nd if i'm not mistaken so make sure you tune into that we'll chat about her uh you know her activities in season two and what it what it all how it all went down maybe we can ask her questions she can't answer about season three we can sure try (laughs) she may not know anything yet though because they don't start production until may right uh, so, uh, that is very cool. We are also going to be doing another season wrap up crossover podcast with Jason and Karen over at the walking dead cast. That is going to be on March 30th. I believe that's a Friday, I think. So we're going to have a lot of podcasts in the next few weeks. What we did last year is we did half of that episode sort of on their, uh, podcast and half on ours, which I think we'll do this week as well. As for Good the idea. format, not quite sure yet what we're going to do, but we will figure that out. It'll be audio. It'll have to be an audio format. I do know it will be audio. Uh, last week, we did a top 10 from season one. Right. Last year. Last year, <clears throat> sorry. We may do that again. We're, we're in discussions. Okay. So We're it, in negotiations. We got, uh, we got the lawyers all talking. That's right. Our people paperwork. talking to their people. We're figuring it out. Yeah. It's going to happen. So make sure you tune in for that. It is going to be a lot of fun. So we've got some stuff coming up now. After that, we do have people writing in and asking us, what are we going to do all summer? What the hell are we going to do all summer? Well, first of all, we will probably go down to bi-weekly, which we did over the last break. 
And luckily, this break isn't as long as the break between season one and season two. Right. So we will find other things to fill the time. We might go back to our Walking Dead actor spotlights. Yeah, we've got some spotlights we can do. We've got some new actors, exactly, that we can that we can talk about and watch some of their other material. Um, but we'll, we'll see. We'll find out. We're definitely going to keep recording. So if you have any thoughts, send it in, and we'll bring you the news. We'll read your feedback. We'll just try to do whatever we can to fill the time. Right. And uh, it will be fun. So if you want to contact us, you can uh, do so. Please give us a call on our voicemail line. It is 1-866-483-ZOMB. That is 483-9662. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead. Mm-hmm. We are approaching a thousand likes, everybody. And I'm very, very excited about that. We're oh, yeah. over 900 now, right? Uh, we are 900 and something. 900 and something. So tell your friends, if you haven't liked us yet, please head over there and, and click that like button. Um, and uh, I would love to get over a thousand in the next uh, couple of weeks. That would be really, really exciting for me. 908. 908. That is that is awesome. We were we crossed 500 only like a few weeks ago. Yeah, no kidding. And now we're up to 900. So things are picking up and I don't want to let it fall off. It would really be a huge bummer if we had to wait until sometime in season three to get that extra uh, 92 likes. But yep. hopefully we can do it soon. You so, did that math all in your head. Wasn't that good? I was impressed. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm begging for likes and I hope no one minds. We're like handling. <laughs> it's like panhandling, but for likes but for likes exactly. but then again when you're panhandling you're not looking for pans uh so we're panhandling for likes that's right you're holding a pan that's how that's where that comes oh i from. see that. okay so throw a like in our pan there you go throw a like in our pan and after you do that you can email us at talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com that is how you can reach us those are all the ways you can reach us so uh, it was a pretty good season too, Jason. Oh yeah, it was great. It was it much was fun. Much, much fun. I am super excited for season uh, three, but we've got a summer to get through first, and that's how we're going to fill the time. So thanks for listening, everyone. You uh, you are the greatest listeners in the world. We're happy to have you here, mm-hmm. and uh, you know keep keep stay with us. We'll uh, we'll be we'll be here all summer and back next year, starting in October, I guess. Yep, we're not going anywhere. So. For The Talking Dead, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.